Now screen actor Frank Lovejoy comes to the NBC microphone as reporter Randy Stone on Nightbeat. But first, let me tell you about some of our other mystery features heard on this station of the NBC radio network. This Sunday, the Falcon brings you mystery, adventure, and intrigue as he investigates the case of the helping hand. Later Sunday, make a date to hear Lloyd Nolan as he brings you thrill-packed listening as Martin Kane, Private Eye. And every Monday evening, you're invited to tune to this NBC station for Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy. Now there's Adventure with Frank Lovejoy, starring on Night Beat on NBC. NBC presents transcribed... Frank Lovejoy in Night Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. Christmas Eve. Jingle bells, silent night, boughs of holly. Yeah, they say there's a warmth about Christmas that spreads out like a fan and touches everyone. The holiday spirit, it's called. But right at the moment, I'm thinking of one character who was nearly left out in the cold last Christmas. None other than yours truly. Me, myself, Randy Stone. It started out like any other Christmas Eve. An exchange of gifts, a few drinks, some off-key caroling. Everybody killing time until the going-home nod from the boss. Everybody, that is, but me. No, I wasn't going home, because as far back as I can remember, Christmas has been another workday for Stone. I waited around for the noisy holiday gang to leave so I could settle down to work. And then Sam Bullock, the big boss, sent for me, and I walked across to his office. Oh, come in, Randy, come in. How are you, boss? Sit down, Randy. Oh, such politeness can mean only one thing. I'm fired. <laughs> no, this is even more embarrassing, Randy. I'm uh, going to give you a little something in the way of a present. Ah, I'll come back when you're sober. <laughs> When's the last time you had Christmas off, my boy? I can't remember why. Well, you're having this one off. Five days of it to spend with your family. Well, what family? Boss, you know better than that. What'll I do with myself? Well, a man who knows as many people as you do, it'll be the best thing in the world for you. Hey, yeah. Yeah, it might really be something. Say, I could call Alex Stevens. He's been bothering me for eight years to spend Christmas with his family. Sure. A baby Alice over in Classified. <laughs> you know, I'm beginning to like the idea. <laughs> okay, well, you'd better beat it before this noble impulse of mine evaporates. Well, you hang on to it. I'm leaving now. <laughs> and, uh, Randy... Yeah? Uh... Merry Christmas to you. Right back at you, Chief, and thanks for the break. The revelers had gone now, and the office was empty except for one man. Old Ed Collins sat watching the teletype machines. He looked up when he saw me. Thought you'd gone, Randy. Nope. What are you looking so smug about? Our boss gave me five days off. Well, what are you going to do, go home? Home is a bachelor apartment on 7th Avenue. No, Collins, I'm going to call my old pal Alex Stevens in Decatur and tell him to meet the morning train. Good idea. Long distance? I want to call Decatur, the Stevens residence. Alex Stevens in Decatur. I'll wait. Mm-hmm. Ah, phone's ringing all right. Good, good. Oh, this little floor, Alec. Eight years he's been after me. 
Must have an old maid sister-in-law or something. Careful, Randy. Tried to marry me off once when I was younger. <laughs> Should have answered by now. Oh, what's that, operator? Oh, no, no. No use ringing anymore. He must have gone out of town for the holidays. Gone out of town, eh? Yeah, yeah. I guess I'll have to settle for female company. either? Well, that was a screwy idea. I don't know why I went for it. Phoning people the last minute like this? Guy, with the friends you have... You... Oh, sure, sure, sure. The friends I have. Millions of them till I go looking for one. Oh, there's a Christmas card for you on my desk. Keep forgetting to give it to you. I'll get it later. Hey, my folks only live 40 miles out. Boy, would they be glad to have you spend a few days with them. I could call them. No, Ed, forget it. What's a guy like me want with a holiday on Christmas? I'm shoving off, Ed. How about that envelope on my desk? Later. Looks like I might be back to play a little pinochle with you. Am I more? All I've got to do is phone No, I'll make out all right. See you later. And have yourself a time. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas. I didn't want to make any more calls in front of Collins, so I headed for the nearest phone booth. Well, I made another three, four calls. No dice. Randy Stone, a guy who couldn't walk a downtown block without saying hello to half a dozen people, couldn't find one lousy bum would be his friend tonight, Christmas Eve. I went back to the office hoping some big story had broken so that I could put myself to work. Nothing come in, Ed? Not a thing. Even the thugs are home tonight. Anybody phone me? No. Uh, here's that letter I was telling you about. Oh, thank you. What's that, Money? It's a 50-cent piece. <laughs> what do you want? Your autograph? It just says, God bless you, Mr. Stone, signed Catherine Malloy. I don't know any Catherine Malloy. Hey, this is all the earmarks of an office gag and a pretty poor one at that. It's half a buck. Yeah, it'll buy a drink. Say, Randy. Yeah. I, I thought maybe you'd change your mind about going out to my folks' place. No, thank you, Ed. No, no, thank you. My ma, she... No, I said no. Uh... Ed, no, no, thank you. Outside it was snowing, light and fluffy, like it had been specially ordered for the occasion. And the people went about their business humming and singing little snatches of song. You know, oh, what fun it is to ride in the one-horse open sleigh. Yeah, there was warmth and good feeling everywhere. But my mood was more than a match for it, and I was beginning to feel sorry for myself. Like an unwanted cat, I took my mood out to get it drowned at Bobby's bar. Randy, how are you, boy? How are you? Wow. Well, what's with this place? It's like a morgue. <laughs> well, haven't you heard? It's Christmas. Yeah, I've heard. Will you put a dime in that thing and get something snappy? Okay. There we are. Hey. You lonely, Randy? Give me a whiskey sour, hmm? Yeah. That's the way it is with me, too. I don't need nobody. Nobody needs me. <laughs> it's all right, I guess. Only two or three times a year, you wish it was different. You know what it hits me? Christmas, Easter, and May 17th. That's the date my mother died. But Christmas and Easter was a big time in our house. You know, we had 11 kids. Look, why don't you write a book? 
You act like this was something new to you. To me, it's like this every Christmas. You know, the important thing is don't be alone. How much do I owe you? Fifty cents. Here. You know, when you try and fight it, you got to lose. Uh, Randy, are you going into a new business? What do you mean? Well, I thought maybe you might have gone into manufacturing. Manufacturing what? Coins. But, brother, if you are, you've got a lot to learn. This is about the phoniest half a buck I ever saw. Phony? Yeah. Give it to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. That was somebody's idea of a gag. Some half-wit in the office. Ain't much of a joke, I'll tell you. Mrs. Malloy, huh? I'll fix those guys. You gone? Yeah. Hey, well, what's your hurry? You ain't gonna leave me here alone, are you? Wait till somebody else comes in. So long, Bob. Well, you ought to stick around so we can talk, Randy. You're wasting it on me. Okay, Randy, but remember what I said... Don't be by yourself. Whatever you do, don't get to be alone. I stopped at the corner drugstore and bought a couple of magazines and went to my apartment ready to spend a quiet holiday. Seven o'clock. Great. Nice long evening ahead of me. Lots of time to hate the world and feel sorry for myself. I poured myself a quick drink and then somebody rang my doorbell. Yeah, just a minute. Hi. A 10-, 11-year-old kid stood in the doorway looking up at me. His face was clean, but his clothes were patched and ragged. He wore a red pullover sweater at least five sizes too big for his skinny frame. Hello, Mr. Stone. Wow, what do you want? Don't you remember me? I remember 10,000 of you. What do you want, a handout? I'm Jerry Malloy. Remember Mrs. Malloy? Who sent you up here? Whose idea was it? McFarland's, the office wise guy? My, my mother sent me. Well, you go back and tell your mother not to send phony coins through the mails. And if your mother happens to be McFarland, tell him that... She said for me to give you this letter. I'm to wait for your answer. Look, kid, take your letter and beat it. Enough is enough. She said maybe... Will you take the letter? Now, come on, what are you waiting for? I'll leave it with you. No. Here, here's two bits for you. Now go tell McFarlane the joke is over. Now beat it before I get mad. Mother said to wish you a merry Christmas. Beat it. I no sooner slammed the door shut when I began feeling like a heel. And I opened the door half hoping I'd find him standing there. But he was gone. But resting on the mat in front of my door was the quarter I'd given him. I picked it up and I stood there with the coin burning my fingers. I knew I wouldn't feel quite clean again until I'd found that kid and made it right with him. Somehow. I had to get to the kid, but how? The logical starting point seemed to be the newspaper office. I put my coat on. I was about to leave when a sharp knock sounded on my door. I opened the door and a policeman came in. Mr. Stone? Oh, yeah, come in. Thanks. I'm uh, Lieutenant Saunders. Know anything about this? Well, this envelope's addressed to me. Where did you get it? Do you recognize it? A kid came in here about 15 minutes ago and wanted to give it to me. You sure this is the same letter? Well, the writing's the same as another letter I got at the office. Why? What happened? Um, the boy who brought you this letter. What's his name? I don't know. He said it was Malloy, but I don't think it is. Give me a description. Oh, he's, uh, oh, 10, 11 years old. Oh, 95 pounds. Light brown hair. Wearing a faded red sweater, patched trousers. What's this all about? Hit by a car. Driver picked him up and took him away. Hit? How bad? Nobody knows. 
Woman who saw it from a window thinks the kid was dead. The car got away? Yeah. She didn't see the license number. When we got there, we found this letter on the street. And the, the, uh, the kid may be dead? Yeah, it looks like it. Said his name was Malloy, huh? Yeah, that's what he said. Can I see that letter? Maybe there's something in it. Sure. What's it say? It's kind of hard to read. Hmm. Looks like some kid wrote it. Um, dear Mr. Stone, we're hoping that you'll come out to have Christmas dinner with us. I told Jerry not to leave till he brings back your answer saying yes. It's signed Mrs. Catherine Malloy. I don't know a Catherine Malloy. Well, maybe they mistook you for somebody else. I thought it was part of an office gang, and I still think so. Let me go back there and check. I'll call you later. Uh, where do you work, Mr. Stone? Chicago Star. Oh, you're that Randy Stone. Well, look, if you get any information, phone it into the precinct. Uh, hi, Randy. What's the matter with you? Look like you've been run over by a streetcar. Well, that's how I feel. Collins, you got to help me. Well, if I can, sure. What is it? Now, first of all, tell me. Did anybody in the office plant a phony coin in an envelope and send it to me in a Christmas card? Well, not that I knew of. Who'd pull a crazy stunt like that? I don't know. I got to find out about that kid. What kid? Well, he came to my apartment with a message, and on his way home, he was hit by a car. Bad? A driver picked him up and took him away, and the cops think that he was dead. And you don't know the kid? No. He said his name was Jerry Malloy. He, he said it like it should have meant something to me. But it doesn't. I've never seen him before. Well, maybe it's someone you've forgotten. A guy meets a lot of people in this business. Yeah, that could be. I want you to do something for me, Ed. What? Check with as many of the boys you can reach at home. Find out if they know anything about the kid, and then phone the police and see if they've found him. If you want me, I'll be in the library. What are you going to do there? Well, something that makes me shudder, but I'm going to do it anyway. What's that? I'm going to dig back through all my stories for the past year and see if I can find a Mrs. Malloy. Maybe you didn't use her name. Well, I'll see what I can find. You get busy on that phone. Collins left me alone and I went to work. It's funny how inane some of the stuff you write seems after it's been buried. Only three of the bits offered any idea of who Mrs. Malloy might be. One, about a woman who'd refused to leave a cat in a burning house. Another, about a middle-aged lady bookie. And the last, about a woman and her family who were being evicted from a slum apartment for lack of rent money. The story was about the bystanders and how they dug into their pockets and raised 40 bucks so the woman could get back into her place. How you doing? Well, I'm not sure, but I think I've got something. Well, I called the boys. They don't know anything about the kid or the letter. You phoned the police? Yeah. Well? They want you down to headquarters. Me? What for? To identify the kid. They think they found him. Dead? Not much chance to live. Where is he? State Hospital. It's a pleasant chore for Christmas Eve, isn't it? Dandy. Well, then I guess they want me to go and see his mother and say, uh, guess what I brought you for Christmas. Oh, snap out of it, Randy. It wasn't your fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I phoned headquarters and they sent a radio car to get me. From there, we went to State Hospital. Lieutenant Saunders was there waiting for me. A nurse led us down a long hallway. Severe concussions and possible internal injuries, the doc said. Doesn't think he'll live. In here. This is the boy. Go on, Stone, take a look. All right, all right. 
Well, is that him? No. No, that isn't Jerry Malloy. For a minute, I felt a sense of relief. But I knew I was kidding myself. Sooner or later, Jerry's body would be found. And until then and after then, I'd feel the guilt to be mine. You see, by now I knew the kid was on the level. He'd been sent to me with a message offering me a home for Christmas. And in my blind stupidity, I sent him away. Nice guy, this Randy Stone. The cops dropped me off at the paper and told me to keep in touch. Well? No, it's not him. What are you going to do? I'm going to find Mrs. Malloy. That 50-cent coin, that's what makes it interesting. Why money in a Christmas card and a phony coin at that? Well, maybe she didn't know it was phony. All right, then. She didn't know it was phony, but why was she sending you money? You lending the stuff out at 15%? What? Hey, wait a minute. You got something there. Maybe she did owe me some money. That woman that was tossed out on the street, 40 bucks we raised for her, she took my name and said she'd send me my five bucks back. Well, can you remember where she lived? It was on the south side. I remember the building. Yeah, I can find her. Collins, I, I can find that kid's poor mother. Well, isn't that what you wanted? I don't know. You know what I really want? I'd like to start this whole evening over again. Think you could arrange it for me? I suppose I could have let the police handle it, but I developed a burning need to tell her myself. I hopped into a cab and went scouting for the building she'd lived in. I hoped I wouldn't find it, and yet I knew I wouldn't stop until I did. I found it all right, right where it had always been, pressed between the ugliness of two warehouses. I hung around outside for ten minutes before I could find the courage to go and face it. Apartment six she'd lived in. I stood in front of it and listened to the muffled sounds of a radio playing dance music inside. Well, hello, hello, hello. May I come in? I've got to talk to you. Oh, I'd like very much to have you come in, but my husband, he's a bouncer in the nightclub. Maybe some other time. Huh? Look, Mrs. Malloy, I- I've got to talk to you. What about Christmas Eve? Go away. Hey. What, Mrs., did you say I was? Malloy, Catherine Malloy. Ah. Uh. I'm not Mrs. Malloy. I never was, never will be. My name's Mrs. Natty. Carol Natty. You know, the more I look at you, the more I wish I was your Mrs. Malloy. But I'm not. I'm really not. How do you like that? Well, I like it a lot more than you'll ever know. You know where I can find her? She lived in this apartment oh four or five months ago. Never heard of her. Uh, maybe if you ask the caretaker, he'll know. Thank you. Thank you. I'll do that. This woman wasn't Jerry's mother. I'd built a picture of Mrs. Malloy that didn't jive with a slightly tipsy frump staring at me out of hazy eyes. I called him a caretaker. Yes, Mrs. Malloy lived here, but she'd moved a couple of months ago and he didn't know where to. He told me to try Kozlov's grocery store. The storekeeper there was a living city directory. Mr. Kozlov? None other. What what can I do for you? I'm looking for a Mrs. Malloy who used to live in the Elkin Apartments. I was wondering if you know where she'd moved to. Malloy? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I remember her. But I don't know where she moved to. A good woman. Didn't owe me a penny when she left. I've got to find her. 
She was working steady while she moved. Wages every week makes difference. Uh, you, uh, you think some of her neighbors had no way she moved to? Oh, they, they do a big turnover in some of those places. But with wages coming in regular, I think I know how you can find her. How? It's a pattern people follow. When things can't be worse, uh, then they live in places like the Elkin Apartments. But when they're working and a little money is coming in, they move up a notch. That's the way it works. Where is this notch, this step up? Uh, it's a gamble. Uh, but if I was you, I'd try Blake Avenue, uh, somewhere around 20th. Uh, that's the way it goes, from Elkin to Blake. Sometimes back to Elkin. Uh, sometimes not. Sometimes three hours can be an eternity. It was ten o'clock now, three hours since the kid had knocked on my door. The streets were full of happy, smiling people, and the snow made everything look like a Christmas display window in one of the big stores. I'd have given ten years' salary to be like the people rushing into the stores for the last-minute presents for Aunt Agatha. I went into the stores all right, but to ask them if they knew where I could find a dead kid's mother. Took me about 15 calls to locate her. A druggist gave me her address. 1461 Burkell Street, apartment 9. Before going there, I called the office. Hello? Oh, Ed, anybody phone? Nope. I guess I haven't found him yet. Well, how about the mother, Mrs. Malloy? You think she'd have called the police by now? Yeah, you'd think so. Well, maybe she didn't phone because she thought the kid was in good hands. Well, it wasn't your fault, Randy. Well, I've located her. And uh, now comes the pleasant part of the job, telling her about it. Uh, how will I start? Uh, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Malloy, and a Happy New Year. May the New Year bring oh, you... Oh, why are you going off the deep end like this, Randy? Yeah, I know, I know. It wasn't my fault. I was just an innocent bystander. So long. I made another call, police headquarters. They had nothing new on it. The kid had turned up, they said. He'd be pretty dead, but he'd turn up. I told them I was going to see the kid's mother, that I'd located her. Lieutenant Saunders thought that that would be a swell idea. I walked down the street to Mrs. Malloy's apartment house, and I stood there a minute. From where I was standing, I could see the sign on top of the Chicago Star building. Mrs. Malloy lived only three blocks from my smug little tower. From star to empty apartment to Malloy and back to the star. But that's the way it looked geographically as well as symbolically. Another 20 minutes wouldn't matter much, I thought. So I walked the couple of blocks it took me to get back to Bobby's bar and grill. Hi, Randy. You're not making the rounds of the bars, are you? No, no. Uh, make it a double bourbon. Water. Double bourbon? Yeah, double. Not much trade tonight. Ah, oh, later they come. Uh, Randy, why is it hitting you so hard? You scratch a little of the veneer off, and what do you find? A sentimental slob. What's bad about that? Well, then you find that you can't do things that have got to be done. Like what? What needs being done tonight? Like telling a woman that her young son is dead and that I had a lot to do with it. You're kidding. I'm not. How do you go about a job like that? Well, how did it happen? Does it matter? No. You think whiskey will help? 
Close the place up, Bob, and come with me. You don't have to say anything. Just stand there with me. No, 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 no. It's a one-man job, huh? As far as I'm concerned. Well, maybe you're right. I'll see you later. Yeah, I'll see you later. I climbed up the creaky old stairs. It was no better than a tenement house. Only one thing distinguished it from a slum, and that was a cool, clean smell. The walls were torn, and the woodwork was scarred and marred, but it was clean. I know it's crazy, but I got a lot of courage out of that feeling of cleanliness. I stood in front of apartment nine, listening. Then I knocked on the door. Who is it? It's me, Randy Stone. Mr. Stone, how welcome you are. Come in. Thank you. I'll close the door to the children's room. They have only fallen asleep, and if they hear us, they'll be sure you're Sunday. She walked away to close the door, and I wondered how I'd ever come to forget Mrs. Malloy. Her face was overflowing with a deep spiritual beauty that lighted up the whole room. She came back and sat down near me. I'm so happy you hadn't forgotten me, Mr. Stone. I was afraid you might have. Then when I was able to make a small payment on that loan, I thought I would ask you to come to see us. God will never let me forget what you did for us that night, Mr. Stone. Mrs. Malloy, I... Uh... I don't mean to embarrass you, really, I don't. But I knew if you possibly could, you would share some part of Christmas with us. I knew that the old and shabby furniture would make no difference to you. This humble home. But Christmas began in a humble home. Yes, that's what I told Jerry. Mrs. Malloy, uh, about Jerry, I don't know how to say it. Say what? What is it, Mr. Stone? Well, about Jerry not being home. I, I, I don't understand. The bedroom door opened and a boy walked out. I caught my breath and held it. It was Jerry. Jerry! Hello, Mr. Stone. Jerry Malloy, go back to bed this night. Oh, no, please, let him stay. Jerry, I heard that you were hurt. Oh, that. I was just shook up a little. The man drove me uh, home. Jerry, you didn't tell me about that. It was nothing. Jerry, when you knocked on my door... I told door... Ma all about it. About the way you made me come into your room and have some fruit and candy. And how glad you were when you read that letter. That's right. And he told me how you said you would get down to our house tomorrow night if it was the last thing you ever did. That's what you said, wasn't it, Mr. Stone? Uh, I, uh... I tell you, Mr. Stone, this boy of mine is uncanny. Do you know what he told me? He said he shouldn't be surprised if you came down to visit us tonight. Did you say that, son? Didn't you, son? Yes. Tell him your exact words, Jerry. Go on. Mr. Stone is no stranger. Say it, Jerry. I said I wouldn't be surprised if he even comes to see us tonight. He needs us that bad for Christmas. those three little rooms on the edge of the city's slums, I learned that human beings can find happiness. And don't listen to what your banker tells you. It's a thing of the spirit, not of the pocket. In that shabby little apartment with a cracked linoleum and a threadbare sofa, I learned the magic of the words, Merry Christmas.
Copy, boy. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy, is produced and directed by Warren Lewis, edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Warren Lewis and Lou Russoff with music by Robert Armbruster. Featured in tonight's cast were Kate McKenna, Sammy Ogg, Ralph Moody, Jan Arvan, Bill Conrad, and Gail Bonney. Don Rickles speaking. Our star, Frank Lovejoy, and all of us on Nightbeat wish you a very Merry Christmas. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Saturday morning, hear Mind Your Manners, and later the Somerset Mom Radio Theater starring Peggy Ann Garner. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Personal notice, Stange is my stock and trade. If the job's too tough for you to handle, you got a job for me, George Valentine. Write full details. Standard Oil Company of California, on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and standard stations throughout the West, invites you to Let George Do It. Follow that train, another adventure of George Valentine. Dear Mr. Valentine... I need your help. There are some things that I I want most desperately. Well, what I want is the following. A green electric train with a real whistle and a blue and yellow observation car, a jump-up turtle that snaps at you, an atomic rocket gun M1 non-automatic, a yo-yo, and a pair of skates. Signed, Santa Claus. Oh, now, wait a minute. What kind but of a game? that's the way the letter is signed, George. I suppose it's postmarked North Pole. Uh-huh. What? Well, I mean, the letter is. Inside, it's engraved with a picture of the North Pole and... Uh, uh-oh. In small print, it says, Local Branch Office, Gumpert's Department Store. Right here. Please. Oh, those shoppers. There must be millions of yeah, them. Yeah, hang on to me now. Oh, watch the umbrella, lady. Oh, come on. Let's get out of here, Angel. It was nothing but a gag, the whole thing. Letter from Santa Claus. Publicity stuff, Oh, baby. that's my oh. foot you're walking on, bud. Okay, Buster, but get those packages out of my... Hey! Riley! Well, <laughs> hello. Hello, Miss Brooks. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Why are you here, Lieutenant, buying stockings for your wife? Uh, handkerchiefs this year. <laughs> No, no, it's the policeman's charity down at the orphanage. Say, uh, you coming? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, some of the stuff turned over to us was broken. Got to get a new motor on this thing, see? You mean people give toys for charity that aren't any good? Well, I grant you this item was... uh, (laughs) Well, you see, me and some of the boys were playing with it down at the office, and uh, uh, it broke. Hey, wait a minute. 
Electric train motor, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, and it's got the slickest blue and yellow observation car you ever saw. It's still on my desk. Sergeant Del Valle is fixing the wheel. Yeah, let me see the rest of that package. Huh? This hey, wait a minute. You missed the wrappings. How should I know? Hey, Oh, it's just a box of new presents, that's all. Somebody just dumped it off at headquarters. It's nice stuff. George, the electric train. Huh? Jump up thing that's dressed like a turtle. Yeah. Atomic rocket gun, yo-yo, and a pair of skates. Yes, Angel, exactly the present Santa Claus wants. Exactly huh? the things in the letter. No, 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 no. You misunderstand. All those men you saw dressed in Santa Claus suits go outside. Yes, they work on the streets for blocks around collecting money for charity. You mean ringing a bell and saying, buy your gifts at Comforts? Well, people are used to commercials. But really, you know, sometimes even I don't know how many there are. The agency always seems to send one more than we need. Yes, but look, inside. Is there only one Santa Claus inside? Well, but of course. His name is Joe Smith, the most reliable young man. Uh, a young Santa Claus? Well, he looks the part, all right. Oh, he's the real one. He's been with us several years now. The children all believe in him. Well, then he's the guy we want to see. Uh, perhaps if you would tell me why we don't allow adults inside North Pole. You know, there's a fence around it, naturally. Please, I'm a busy man here. Here's my calling card. Yes, but... Oh, of course, Lieutenant. It's easier if you slip through the credit department here. The side door... Watch your step. That's supposed to be an ice floor. All right, all right, all right. I'll uh, I'll get the answer to this for you, Valentine. There's nothing to it. I'll just uh, open the... <laughs> what the... Oh, all right, Come on, Oh, North Pole. We couldn't get in there today. Well, I guess maybe we'd better shut the door. Uh, <clears throat> Valentine, maybe we got to forget. Riley, the, uh... let me have that package, would you? Huh? And you, what does this Joe Smith eat his lunch? Why, he eats at home, I believe. Uh-huh. And his address is 17 West Federal. That's near here. It's one of the side streets. Okay, thanks. Valentine, wait a minute. Those presents are... Riley, up. what would you do if you got a letter from Santa Claus? Well, I'll grant you I'm still curious myself, but... Okay, uh... you can have your electric train after lunch. Huh? Now, maybe this is crazy, but I don't want anybody disappointed at Christmas time. Especially St. Nick. Seventeen West, there it is, George, across the street. Yeah, the brownstone, huh? Boarding house, maybe. Hey, look at the signs in the window. You want a job? I'll find it. Let Louie place you. One-armed employment agency. Seasonal employment especially. George, maybe it's the place that hires all the Santa Clauses. Yeah, maybe. Only the guy said that's where Joe Smith lives. So, let's get across here, Angel. All right. It's all right. I got the package. Hey, look out for that taxi! Jump, Angel! Boy, was that close. Yeah. Well, thanks for the warning, Santa. Ah, my gift. Darling, look, the driver stopped. Why don't you watch where you jaywalk, Mac? Now, look, Buster, you might watch where you drive for a change. Oh, yeah, I seen you start gazing at the sun. Maybe it'll help you to get bumped once or twice. Vice versa, Buster. I can oblige you. Yeah, you and who else? Show him, boy. George, look out Bad enough a man should be a Samaritan. He shouldn't strain his heart doing it. No, no, Hilda. His feet on the couch, not under him. Yes, Mr. Louis. He might break his leg. You want he should sue us? No, Mr. Louis. Oh, my back. 
Yeah, we are. No. Men my age carrying bums off hey. the street. Hey, where am I? It's Mr. Louis's house, sir. Louis. I'm the cook, Hilda, and I saw you lying out on the street. Louis. And... Oh. Oh, the employment agency. It won't do you any good to sew us. Well, this is where Santa... I mean, Joe Smith lives, isn't it? Oh, no, no, sir, no. <laughs> Joe Smith lives. That does it. I break my back like a Samaritan for instance. Uh, Joe Smith is my boyfriend, that's all, sir. I mean, he lives in a cheap little hotel, but this is a better address. Lives here, that's all I need, a worthless bum. Every time I turn my back, he's eating my meals. Every time I go out, he's sneaking in. Okay, okay, you don't like your cook's boyfriend, skip it. Hey, I was carrying a package. A package? <laughs> now he thinks we're stealing. What package? And wait a minute. Where is she? Where's Miss Brooks? Who? The girl. The girl who was with me out there on the street when some guys jumped us. Where is she? <laughs> you pick up a bum, what happens? How should we know? Here's a guy on the street, Hilda says. He's all alone. What girl? So she's disappeared. Maybe even kidnapped. I'm just as worried as you are. Only will you please... Those guys jumped us. She's not maybe kidnapped, right? I've she... got every man on the force searching for her. What else can I do? Now, look, if you could only remember... I what... don't know what they look like. Just a taxi driver. Some guys that happened too fast. Wait, uh, what about that Santa Claus? You said saved you from getting run over. No, no, he was way across the street. Oh, yeah? Well, listen, I had a man check the people on the street, and he says there wasn't any Santa Claus there at all. Okay, street. okay, it's a riddle. I don't care. All I want is to find Brooksy. Valentine, will you please let us do the job we can do best? Will you please stay with that electric train and... Wiley, you can take that electric train and you know what you... Oh, get smart, will you? It was stolen from you. That's why you were attacked. Only listen. Were the wires made of platinum? Was there a crown jewel in the headlights smuggled up on the yo-yo? No, no. Me and the boys took every one of those toys apart down here at the office. They were just toys. That's all toys. Worth no more than 50 bucks. Okay, well, you figure it. Uh, okay, Riley. Gee, Mr. Valentine, I know how you feel. Me and Joe love each other so much, only we can't get married. He only works part-time, driving fruit trucks in the summer and, and being sad in the winter. Mr. Louie won't pay me enough to support both of us. It's no fun being apart. Hilda, let's talk about something else. Huh? The only times I see him is when the boss is out. Gee, if a person thought you wouldn't ever see the other person again. Hilda, would you please... Please answer the door. That okay. might be Joe. Gee, coast clear, honey? Uh-huh. Oh, Hilda, baby. Merry Christmas. Joe, Joe, you whiskers. All right, all right, all right. Break it up. I'm George Valentine. Oh, oh, well. How are you, Mr. Valentine? Say, isn't this a swell day, though? Yeah, sure. Now, you're the one who wrote me that letter. Why? Huh? Why did you write it? Santa Claus wants presents. What's the gag? Why those special toys you listed? Oh, it's no gag. They were stolen. Stolen? Uh, from the North Pole, I mean, yesterday. Go on. Well, it all started yesterday, Mr. Valentine. A guy I used to know once bumped into me on my way to work. Uh, Mo Dickerson. He asked me could he take my place today as Santa Claus and wear my stuff. What, Joe? No, no, take it easy, honey. Of course, I said no. I thought it was just a rib. Until last night, I saw some of my toys were missing. And then I get a phone call saying unless I let Mo do what he asked, those toys wouldn't be returned. What's so important about that? Well, 
If they weren't returned, I'd be in trouble. I'm responsible. Nobody's allowed in the North Pole except me and the kids. Not, not, not even store help. Oh, no, I'd be in trouble. Uh-huh. It was Moe's way of pressuring you into doing what he wanted. Only I wonder why he wanted to play Santa. And Joe, if people can't get in there, how did he steal the toys? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I don't know any of those things. I got the kids to think about, Mr. Valentine, and I wanted you to figure out... You don't know where Moe lives either, do you? No, I'm sorry. But he's a skinny guy with a sort of a nosy voice, you know, brown hair, a mole on his ear. Wait a minute. Eyebrows go up, little scar on his cheek? Yeah, yeah, that's right. He drives a taxi sometimes. Taxi. Say, do you sure, know... Sure, sure, I met that guy, and I'd like to meet him again. When was this changeover of his supposed to take place? Today, after lunch. Okay, you're going to make that changeover, Joe. Only with me. <laughs> well, of course, little girl. A dolly will do everything your baby sister does. Don't you worry. Yeah. Oh, brother. How many kids are there in this town? All right, Sonny. All right. You're next. Don't push there. Well, now, there's a fine little fella. Up on my knee. That's it. Now, let's see. You wrote me a letter up at the real North Pole. I remember that. <laughs> but you know how those elves can mix up a man's desk. I brought you one. Hey, what's that, Sonny? You'll have to speak louder so Santa can hear what you... A uh, letter. I brought it. Here. Hey, let's see your face, kid. Oh, oh, no, you don't. You got your mail. So long, sucker. Hey, wait a minute. Well, I'll be a midget. Dear Santa Claus... You still got your chance to play ball, but open your mouth one inch wider and you'll find yourself stuffed up a chimney with a stocking around your neck. We'll return to tonight's adventure of George Valentine in just a moment. Christmas shopping is usually a happy and exciting affair. But when you have to do a lot of heavy traffic driving all over town, it can get a little rough on your nerves. Rough on your car, too. That is, if you have the wrong kind of gasoline. For perfect traffic performance, just try Chevron Supreme gasoline. It's a premium quality gasoline that gives your car a fast start every time. No delays, no extra strain on your car's battery. Smoother, faster pickup, and ping-free power on hills. Best of all, Chevron Supreme is climate-tailored, tailored according to weather reports from your area. That's why this gasoline gets the best out of your car in any season in each different altitude and temperature zone of the West, wherever you drive. In fact, you can't buy a better gasoline for today's high-compression engines. So why not try a tank full of Chevron Supreme tomorrow? Ask for it at standard stations and at independent Chevron gas stations, where they say and mean... We take better care of your car. And now back to tonight's adventure of George Valentine. You receive a letter for help from Santa Claus. For a while, you even play Santa at the North Pole, local branch office, Gumpert's department store. But in the meantime, your assistant, Claire Brooks, has disappeared. She was kidnapped, and so far, the police haven't located either her or the man who was there at the time, Mo Dickerson. All this and a midget 
and a note-threatening murder just because of a missing electric train and a few other inexpensive toys. Even if your name is George Valentine, you're thoroughly and completely stumped. But I don't know whose writing it is, Mr. Valentine. Well, it's addressed to you, isn't it, Joe? It says Santa Claus. And the midget couldn't have known it was Valentine under that makeup. Hey, hey, hey. Jiggle the mirror. Burglar alarms, fire alarms, sewer pipes, wires. Is this the best compass can give you for a dressing room? Well, the basement's better than a restroom. Oh. At least the other employees don't pull your beard all through a ten-minute break. Brother. Now, look, Joe. All I want to uh, know Mr. Valentine, is... of course the note was meant for me. Oh, would you give me those boots and the bell over there? Uh, if there's any danger in being Santa Claus, I'll take it. Oh, I'm not afraid of those guys. But what guys? I tell you, I don't know. Now, listen, fat boy. Somebody's in danger. Oh, Mr. Valentine, I'm sorry about her. I, I do wish I could help. I know how I'd feel if Hilda were. I'll say this simply. Now, that note said, open your mouth one inch wider and you'll find yourself stuffed up the chimney. Okay, let's have that inch. No. Well, I mean, I told you what I can about Mo Dickerson. I did. Joe, it's about you. That's what you're not telling. Look, I've been doing all right for years, you see. It's only happened once, and it was a mistake. I'm honest. I drive trucks, and it's hard to get jobs sometimes. But I like kids, and I'm in love with a girl. I'm making a life for myself. Joe. Joe, what was it? That once. Jail. That's why I'm always so afraid of anything questionable happening again. Jail for what, Joe? Stealing. That's it. That's all there is to tell. Uh-huh. I hope the kids don't pummel you like they did. Oh, oh I, I don't mind. I, I like this. Valentine, wait a minute. Where are you going? To catch a thief who could have stolen an electric train. A small thief, Riley. A midget. The trick jobs, Louie. If you can't be very many of them in town, they ought to... Tall guys suffer a water ski in Florida. You uh, who owes his employment? Now, here, listen. Find a paycheck, so get over here. No. What's what? He's in a... Take the next. Main 8409. The kid who gave me the note. And he must be up at the North Pole yesterday. Tell me who he is, then he can prove the rest of the boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a job for a radio announcer. Hey, results. Somebody at the door. Something. I got a commission. Come on, go on. Why? Ah. Oh, all right, small fry. Don't work. Look, dear. Foxy. I want you to meet the most charming. Oh, but you are charming. <laughs> uh, my name is Pelchlet. Uh, uh, look, Angel, you were kid on the sidewalk. When I came to, you weren't there. I'm a married man, Mr. Valentine. No. George, no. I took the electric train. And the next thing I knew, I was wondering... And there she was, Mr. Valentine. She fainted. Naturally, I... Naturally. George, he even took me to the emergency hospital. See my bandage? Oh, it's under my head. Mr. Felton, you and who else revived her? Tom and Jerry? I beg your pardon. My darling, once a year, a little nutmeg won't hurt anybody. Oh, George. Hey, come on, Angel. You should have stayed in that hospital. Hilda! Hilda, where are you? Well, here I am, Mr. Valentine. She can lie down on my bed. I'll take her. Oh, you poor thing. I'll go with you. Oh, great. Well, I guess I ought to be grateful to you, Wolf. Yeah. I, I'm sorry you were so alarmed. So were the police. Oh, dear. And me, a married man. Uh, Mr. Valentine, perhaps if there's no further way I could be of assistance. No, hold on. Hey, is this the place phoned about a... Hello, sucker. Let go of me. Put me down, you big boy. Try it on. Oh, good heavens. Hey, What's Mo. Mo. What's Mo. this? What's Who? What's what this all about? I... 
Mr. Felton, here's your chance to Come make up. Hold this half fight. Come on now. What's the matter? Well, Mo, welcome to the party. Mr. Valentine, really? Oh, stop kicking me, will you? Yeah, things happen pretty fast, Mr. Felton. I guess you can put the little man down now. He's not going anyplace. What's the meaning of all this? What is it? Shoplifting, I figure. A big guy here used a little guy to try and pressure a Santa Claus. Wanted to borrow a red suit for the afternoon so he could get into gumpets unnoticed and fill his stomach full of mink coats or something, I suppose. Yes. Only what I don't... Yes, uh, really, Mr. Valentine, that scarcely makes sense. Then I suppose neither will this. Hey, boy. Nice going, boss. <laughs> Thank you, Wiggly. Thank you. Okay, so I am a sucker. What are you going to do about it, Mr. Felton? Yes, and, and why do you need me? I, I should be cooking supper or, or be upstairs in this brook. Oh, stop sniveling, Hilda. They're not going to hurt us. Bombs, that's all. Of course, of course, no one will be hurt. No, no, we don't hurt people. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 Ha-ha. Quite a convention you got on your hands, Felton. 7.53, boss. Plenty of time, Mo. Uh, relax, Wiggly. Listen to the music. Yeah, you're a big wheel, Felton. That's where I went wrong, figuring it was just shoplifting, isn't it? Just shoplifting would scarcely make sense with all the effort you guys put out over that electric train. I assumed you'd come to your senses, Valentine. Naturally, I had to detain you. I could fix it so he loses those senses again, boss. Don't be so anxious, Mo. But you did want to play Santa Claus. And you keep watching the clock. Something's slated for tonight, isn't it? Sure, sure, that's it. At closing time, the guy playing Santa Claus would go down to the basement to take off his makeup. He'd be there late. And the burglar alarm wires are down there. Boss, he talks too much. Why, your gifts at Gumpert's. That place must take in close to 100000 bucks a day this time of year and can't bank till next morning. Well, you've got a big organization, all right. The man inside the basement blocks the alarm system. The rest of the team goes to work. It's robbery. Big-time organized robbery. I know it. Bums, that's all they are. Oh, shut up, Louie. You're in it yourself. What the... Yeah, you guys sit around acting like you don't know each other. Well, who hires people? Who'd know about that basement dressing room? And why do you think I wanted you to phone midgets today? It was to see if the right midget would take orders from you, Louie, and he did. He came running. And the crackpot way you and Felton picked Miss Brooks and me up after Mo and the boys slugged us. Mr. It... Louie, no. Oh, no, Mr. Louie, Shall no. Shall I kick him into shins for you, boss? Turn that blasted radio off. Mo, you and Wiggly run down to Fred's garage. Pick up a car. Get back here fast. Sure, Louie? Yeah, Louie. Now, 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 cool off, Louie. You've got a bad heart. There's no need. Louie, Smoey, shut up. All day you've been botching. I have not. Just a bit of bad luck. Picking that dame Brooks off the sidewalk. But the boys had hit her too hard. They'd hurt her head. It only seemed decent to... Uh, well, she didn't know what happened, Louie. And, and you yourself brought in Valentine. Samaritans, bums, you and dumb Hilda. I didn't know, Mr. Louie. I, I just saw him lying there. I didn't know you were a criminal. You didn't know nothing. You never do. But you do now. Too much. Yeah, and so do I. Now, you listen, Buster. I finally figured out the electric train, why it's important. 
It starts out on the North Pole. It was stolen from there. So smart. Only instead of dumping it in an ash can, Felton, you go soft-headed and put it in a charity box where a cop can get hold of it and play around with it in his office, can give it to me. Yeah. Yeah, now I know why it's so important, why you had to have the boys slug me to get it back again. The world is full of bombs. Fingerprints. Sure, fingerprints. There's nobody can resist playing with an electric train. Go ahead, make noises while you can. Now, now, wait a minute, Louis. Of course I'm going to kill him. So I work with bombs. So a big-time robbery gets botched up. I get rid of him, I can still pull it. So I ain't got the burglar alarms fixed. I can still... There's a blue and yellow observation car, Buster. What? You've got that electric train back, all right, but there's a blue and yellow observation car still on my friend Lieutenant Riley's desk. I've already told him to check it. Every big baby in your gang has probably had his mitts on it. Well, a complete fingerprint roundup is going to make your robbery a little risky, isn't it? It might even make killing me a little risky, too. He's right, Louis. Uh, they'd know who to look for afterwards. You see? It's not practical anymore for... Shut up, you sissy! What? You boxed it up, Samaritan. Playing with toys. Turning soft. All of a sudden afraid to take a bum for a ride. Oh, I am not a sissy. But for gosh sakes, don't you realize... Well, it's Christmas. Yeah. And that's Riley. <laughs> you might as well face it, Louis. You'll have to buy your gifts at Gumpert's. Get away from that phone, Valentine. Hilda! Hilda, stop twisting that handkerchief and answer it. Yes, sir. My prince ain't on fire, Valentine, and they ain't on no toys either. <laughs> not me. Just say Louis ain't here, Hilda. Just that. Yes, sir. Uh, hello? I'm sorry, but Mr. Louie isn't here. <laughs> Christmas. Smithmas. All right, Scrooge. It looks like it's your party. Yeah, there's your boys out there. It's an awful black car. Stand still, Fout. You too, Hilda. In case you got any... Rose Bowl tickets you want to get rid of, Valentine? Oh, shut up. Let him in. Let's get going. All right, Mo. Come on. Merry Christmas, baby. Merry... Joe! Uh, what are you talking about? Damn, Joe! Gee, Mr. Valentine, you knew all the time it would be me on that telephone. Boy... I came tearing. Well, the only times I can see her when she tells me that old bum Louie isn't there. Oh, it's lucky that other Santa Claus told me to phone the minute I got off work. George. Hmm. George, at least you'll admit it was lucky that Joe should telephone the minute he got off work at 8 o'clock. Well, I hope that was Joe on the phone. That's why I tried to keep Louie mad keep him from looking out the window to see who was really coming. Oh. But what about that other time when the Santa Claus practically saved our lives? When that taxi almost ran us down? Yeah, the one who warned us. Lieutenant Riley said there wasn't a Santa Claus on that street. Uh-huh. And in the store, who suggested Joe telephone? There isn't any other Santa Claus inside the store. It's only outside. George, who was it? Well, what's the matter with you, Angel? Don't you believe in Santa Claus? It was.
won't be long now before we celebrate the holiday that is probably everybody's favorite. Stockings will be hung, old Kris Kringle will be stopping on every rooftop, and on Christmas Day there will be happy family gatherings. So right now we want to wish you the happiest and brightest Christmas season you've ever known. A merry, merry Christmas to you from all of us here in the studio and from the sponsors of Let George Do It, Standard Oil Company of California. Incidentally, this is the fourth Christmas season we've been on the air with you. And once again, independent Chevron dealers and Standard Stations personnel also want to sing out to you, Merry Christmas, have a happy week, a happy holiday, and we'll be seeing you next Monday night. Tonight's adventure of George Valentine has been brought to you by Standard Oil Company of California on behalf of independent Chevron gas stations and Standard Stations throughout the West. Robert Bailey is starred as George. Let George Do It is written by David Victor and Jackson Gillis. Virginia Gregg appeared as Brooksy, Wally Mayer as Lieutenant Riley. Barry Dobkin was heard as the executive, John Daner as Joe, Herb Butterfield as Louie, Virginia Eiler as Hilda, Junius Matthews as Felton, and Tony Morris as the midget. The music was composed and presented by Eddie Dunstetter. Your announcer, John Heaston. Listen again next week, same time, same station, to Let George Do It. This is the Mutual Don Lee Broadcasting System.